Hello, I'm Whitney Sewell with LifeBridge Capital, uh, owner and operator of LifeBridge Capital. If you want to learn about multifamily real estate investing, then you need to listen to my good friend Sam Newell's podcast, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Well, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you scheduling the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad I can do it. How's the podcast going? You know, it's, it's good. I think, I guess we'll see. I haven't listened to myself yet and uh, it launches in about two weeks. So we'll see. I'm a little bit nervous on my, my interviewing skills, but I've had some good people on like you and I think that'll save me. Yeah. I would say, don't listen to yourself. <laughs> I, you know, anyway, no, I mean, it's just, yeah, you're, you're only going to get better by doing it. And so, yeah, I would almost say like, don't listen to yourself. Just keep rolling. <laughs> keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, how has yours been going? I mean, you, you do it daily and, and I feel like you've had a ton of just awesome guests on the show. We have, and, and I've done a bunch of interviews today. Um, that's what I've been doing all day today is just back-to-back interviews. And, and so it is, it's going good. I mean, it has, I get questions so many times every week about, you know, has it been worth it? Is it, you know, cause so many people are, you know, are looking to start a podcast, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely wouldn't be where, I, where I'm at if it wasn't for the podcast. Awesome. So, so I'm kind of curious, what benefits have you seen and, and what's probably the stuff, things that have made it worthwhile? So uh, I get that question. That's next. And, uh, and I would, I, you and I would not be having this conversation right now if I, if I hadn't started my podcast. So, right. you know, I wouldn't have been in Rod's group and, and, you know, would have never met you. And, and that's the, I mean, that's the answer that I can, for everybody I'm talking to, yeah. not everybody. So many people, you know, I can say, I wouldn't know you. You would not know who I am if it wasn't for the podcast, you know, so. But networking component alone is, I mean, uh, you know, is hands down probably the biggest benefit. But but outside of that, you know, obviously you're, you're just, you're able to now add value and create tons of content and, and, you know, to so many people in the business. And so, yeah, and just bringing credibility to yourself. I mean, it's, there's so many values. Right. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, we're recording and I usually just kind of like to talk to you about, you know, start casually. I I don't know how you start. Well, I guess I've heard your podcast, but, you know, tell me a little bit about what you got going on and, and other than a daily podcast for syndication, but talk about that too a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't guess I realized this was part of the show, but so yeah, lots going on, lots happening with LifeBridge Capital and, and, you know, obviously with the podcast and, and so my, personally, my wife and I just uh, completed our third adoption. So we just brought our daughter home. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously, it's been a lo- very long roller coaster. Adoption process is just, it is a roller coaster, but very worthwhile. It's what I tell everybody. I don't sugarcoat it, but it's very worthwhile. And so, well, congrats, uh, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then, you know, we, we closed on 180 units about, or about eight weeks ago now. And, and we are, I'm actually, you know, our, we're touring properties all the time or every week now, but I'm going somewhere. I don't know how many weekends over the next two months, uh, just different conferences and going to different markets and, you know, and looking at, you know, touring properties and things like that. So a lot's happening, you know, and we're just meeting lots of investors and having some great calls. I, I told somebody else this past couple of weeks have probably been my most productive yet as far as just some really quality investor calls, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, or, and I'll just say a different type of investor, you know, than, uh, or just, you know, higher net worth individuals. And, and it's just, you know, so that's been really good. And, and, uh, but it's just being consistent. You know, I did a I recorded, you know, almost a dozen shows today myself. And, and, uh, and so wow. it's just, yeah, it's being consistent and just keep pushing. Awesome, man. Well, so yeah, congrats again on the, the adoption. My older brother's adopted, by the way. Awesome. And that's just, that's really neat. There's a lot of babies that are kids that need a good place to live. So that's awesome. I feel like I adopted someone. I, I served a LDS mission in my, when I was night for my church, when I was 19 till I was 21 and down in Peru. 
And, you know, you make a lot of friends and family, you know, kind of feel like they're part of the family after a while. And I had a kid come live with us for a few years here in Utah. It was kind of funny, though, because he called me up. He said, hey, Sam, how's it going? And I said, Oscar, you know, I haven't heard from you in seven, eight years. How you doing? He said, oh, I'm coming to coming to the United States. And, you know, I was all excited for him. And then I said, oh, well, where are you going to come now that you have a visa to the U.S.? He said, oh, I think I'm going to come to Utah. And I said, oh, Oscar, that's amazing. That's where I live. And he said, I know. Can I live with you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, that's why you're calling. <laughs> um, but, you know, we sponsored him to come up here. And, and you know, he's only he's 26 years old. But I seriously felt like his dad for the whole time he lived here. We helped him, you know, paid for him to get into school, paid for him to go to the dentist for the first time, bought him clothing bottom everything. And I, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, man, I'm really lucky. I feel, feel like I kind of had a teenager before I've actually had teenagers. And, you know, we had to talk to him about staying out late with his friends, not getting his homework done, not getting good grades and uh, total, total sidetrack story. But you know, it's, it's uh, more power to you for adopting because that's, that's so cool that, you know, you can really change those people's lives and those kids' lives from where they probably would have been otherwise. Definitely a big change for them, but I, I I tell everybody that we're the blessed ones, or we're the you know my wife and I are so fortunate to have them in our family. I mean we're yeah. we're so blessed. Well, and and that's kind of why why I brought that up is you know we spent a lot of time and money on this kid, and he moved out, and but uh, we were really blessed as well. We we felt a lot of joy for helping this kid out, and he's a great guy. Met a girl, might get married now, but it was so. Uh, different for us, but also really rewarding helping this this guy out and learning a lot about ourselves and, and our marriage and, and being kind of parents, even though he's a buddy, not a kid, but it was fun. Cool. So you just closed on 180 units and, you know, we're here to talk about real estate syndication, but before we talk about that, you know, when you were in high school, were you thinking about law enforcement, FBI, were you thinking about flying uh, fighter jets like I was. I was planning on going to the Air Force Academy. I also wanted to have a family, but tell me a little bit about what you wanted and what you saw yourself doing. You know, I would say in high school, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted. You know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't, uh, so I grew up in a very small town, one stoplight. There's just not a whole lot happening. And, and it's unfortunate that, you know, growing up there, like your eyes aren't open to like all the possibilities, you know, of, mm -hmm. of even entrepreneurship, really, I mean, very little, you know, it's like, you're, you're really coached and, you know, you got to get a good education and you get that good job. But in the small town, a good job could mean being the barber or being, you know, like, you don't have to go to college, but like, you know, have some, like, that's what most people see is like that, you know, that's what most people do, right? And yeah. so, and so, you know, our, my eyes weren't open to, I haven't, I didn't see much at that time. You know, I didn't see much of the world. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so somehow, you know, the Lord really had other plans. Right. And so, you know, I thought I, you know, might make a plan of what I was going to do and, and different things. I didn't plan to go to college. I just didn't feel like that was for me. And, and so joined the military and that helped me to see a little bit of the world, you know, and helped me to open my eyes to this, like this bigger thing out there, you know? And, and so, you know, spent a year in Iraq, come home. And then it was like, wow. what, what, you know, what am I qualified to do? You know? And so, you know, so, but a mil from being military, I was, you know, a shoe in to be a, a police officer, you know? And so out of, you know, over a thousand applicants as a one of five that was hired with Kentucky state police. And, and, and so, you know, I thought, okay, you know, this is great. I really, uh, I love doing that. But, but I didn't see doing any of that in high school. You know, it was just like all these things that, that, you know, Lord just had all these, these, this plan, these steps, right. That, that one thing mm -hmm. qualified me for the next thing. And, and, uh, but I didn't see any of that in high school. Got it. So kind of by default, you found your way and it sounds like the military kind of shaped you and, and how long were you in the military? I had six years active in the guard and two years of active duty. Got it. And, and sorry, what, what part of the military was that? Army. 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 National. Got it. Got it. So you're in Iraq with the army for, for a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for your service, by the way. It seems like a lot of the really quality people I've been meeting and having on my podcast have all been in the military. You know, we've got quite a few of them in our group, actually. Mm. Oh, well, uh, you're welcome. I'm happy to, to have served. Yeah. 
Well, so tell me about uh, real estate and syndication because you didn't go right into it. You've actually had a career in, in law enforcement for you know a number of years and and it sounds like you, you were interested in real estate, but you really kind of went full-time recently, right? So, you know, at that time, and I'll I kind of go in from uh, the story I just had. So, you know, went and came home from overseas and was trying to think, okay, what, you know, what can I do? What am I qualified to do? I was trying to figure that out. And, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I always thought about being a police officer, but, you know, it wasn't just like, extremely gung-ho but I thought no you know this is going to be good so then I, I did become gung-ho wanted to do it and, I, and I, I enjoyed working the road with Kentucky State Police I I really enjoyed it we had you know great camaraderie with some other guys that I worked with and and it was I mean it was a lot of fun times a lot of high stress times as well of course but but I enjoyed it until you know finally I was you know realizing that okay you know, or actually I got married you know, right. And some things change, right. And now it's not as fun than working every night, weekend and holiday, you know, getting into just, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that you're, you love doing when you first get hired as a police officer. Right. You know, right. and then, but my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. And so it's like, okay, you know, I've got to, I've got to find something uh, else I can do. Right. And initially it right. was to try to supplement my income because it was so low, you know, as a police officer and there was no room for advancement. And, but then mm -hmm. also I was like, okay, this is not what's best long-term for our family. And so in came real estate and quickly, you know, tried to educate myself. I, I say now I didn't educate myself near enough, but you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, and, and jumped mm -hmm. in and bought uh, a couple triplexes. I mean, actually really quick and, and learned a lot the hard way. So we start, you know, at, at this syndication thing, I, I'd never, never even dreamed of being able to do what we're doing now, you know, I mean, right. back then. Never, if you'd asked me, Whitney, what about buying that apartment complex? You know, like my mind wasn't there. I, I'd never seen the the possibility of doing that. And, you know, I would have said, oh, maybe 20 years from now, or I don't know who that guy is that can buy that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking that I had to stick with these small multifamilies or single family. And so, and that's what, so that's what we started with. Awesome. So started with a couple of triplexes and do you have any war stories or horror stories from those triplexes or any other real estate deals you've done? You know, those, I would say that like those, those triplexes, that first property that we purchased, you know, we learned the most from probably, you know, like in a condensed period, of course uh -huh. I was self-managing, but so I, you know, I was managing them while also, you know, as I was a police officer, but it, it was really the, the time loss with my, or mentally as well with my new bride, that was the worst part, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I didn't enough due diligence you know so I didn't I while I had some you know one big thing that I, I learned was you know have somebody that specializes in HVAC come and look at the HVAC stuff okay you know, like like at the time I didn't know any better but I hired I hired yeah. somebody that was a professional you know inspector he came and he looked in every nook and cranny and attic and all these things and I followed him around trying to learn myself but you know I just assumed that he knew about the HVAC stuff or other things yeah. you know I just assumed that like, if there's something that I need to know, he's going to tell me. And, and I mean, cause he has a big reputable name company and you know, I don't feel like that's what I received, you know, later on right, down the road. Right. right. So then things came up that it's like, well, you know, I should have known this or you shouldn't he have told me or, you know, but right. ultimately I should have had a professional that specializes in HVAC or, or even just understanding running numbers and things like that. I didn't network enough at, at that time. It was back in 09, even, even when it ever deal should have been good. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great deal. You know, we got taken advantage of and, and thankfully oh, we no. didn't lose, lose any money, but, but we learned a lot. It was poor due diligence. And then also just self-managing, you know, was another mistake because it just, you know, took me away from being able to focus on growing the business or even focus on spending time with family or any of those things. And so it was a big stressor, but we learned a lot and, and we've moved on to do bigger and better things now. So that's awesome. You know, I, I love when we learn and it doesn't cost us money because there's a lot of learning experience that do cost you money. Rod Cleef calls them his uh, seminars. Right. You know, um, I just call them painful learning experiences where you lose money and we've all had those, I think, but that's great that you're able to come out and, and maybe you had some brain damage and, and some stress you got taken <laughs> advantage of, but, but it sounds like you came out on top. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering the learning from that and then the, that we didn't just quit, you know, we, we came out ahead. Awesome. Well, you know, I have an interesting question for you. You and I started similar time. I bought my first uh, flip in 2010 
took advantage of that crazy low market where every deal was kind of crazy good. But Grant Cardone says you should never, ever, ever buy anything under 16 doors. And I disagree with them, but I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, of the size of property and should you buy yeah. something small? Yeah. So, you know, I did, I mean, I bought smaller multis and bought up to a 15 unit, which we still have and, but nothing else. We don't have anything else other than larger, the syndicated deals now. But so personally, I'd, I never plan to buy anything less than a hundred units. You know, if there's a, unless it means, so here, here's one exception uh, that I can think of at the moment. I won't say there, there'll never be other exceptions and I, and I won't say I'll never buy a four unit because you know, there's always that possibility for some reason. However, sure. so, you know, when getting into a new market, sometimes you have to, you might have to like to buy a smaller property or, you know, something like that to kind of to show brokers are serious and things like that. It still has to meet, you know, the criteria and it still has to be a good deal. All those things provide, you know, the returns that your investors are looking for, all that, of course. However, you know, there, there's more competition sometimes when you're, you know, 100 plus or 150 plus, you know, for those properties. And so sometimes to get into a market, you may have to buy a property that's 65 units, you know, yeah. and that's, you know, and that's, that's something that I would be open to at that time. But as far as a, you know, a dozen units or 15 units or a duplex anymore, that's not my plan or my focus anymore. And, and I say the, uh, majority of the time, it doesn't take that much more work to do the due diligence and the legwork, yep. the underwriting, all those things for the hundred units as it does the 50. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to make more money, honestly, on the hundred unit than you are the 50, you know, yep. if they're the, let's say if they're the same deal, the same location, all that stuff, you know, right. Um, but, and so that's, that's why, you know, now that we can go a lot larger and my eyes have been open to these possibilities, you know, and, and we're pushing forward, uh, I would, I feel like I would be, there would be a lot of opportunity loss if I'm spending my time on the four, on another fourplex or something like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's what Grant Cardone and, and to be honest, most experienced, sophisticated investors like you say is, well, yeah, you I mean, you can buy the smaller deals, but why would you, if it's really not that much more work and time to do the due diligence on the larger items and on the larger properties and then you get economies of scale, you get a lower risk profile with those properties typically because of economies of scale. You get a non-recourse loan where your credit isn't at stake, you know, if the property goes down and hopefully that doesn't ever happen. And, you know, there, there's a number of other, other things. But what I've noticed is a lot of people are just very intimidated by the size, by the price tag, the size and the down payment because they say, well, I don't. I don't have 500,000. I don't have a million, $5 million for the down payment. So why would I ever consider that? Well, I think the answer is, and, and I, I would love to know what you think. I think you form strategic partnerships and you maybe stay away from the smaller deals because you can partner with someone and, and get just as good or better returns with a lot less risk. Less risk. And, and one thing I would add there is like, you know, having a professional management team, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's, even if you develop your own management company, and I know a few guys that have done that and have done it very well, but I mean, you know, more majority of the guys though in the industry are, are hiring that third party, but either way, there's a professional third party management team. So I'm no longer taking those tenant calls or, you know, taking, you know, my toilets overflowing or, you know, whatever it may be, the neighbor's dog is barking too much or like, I'm not taking any more of those calls. Right. Right. You know, it's a totally different business now. And so than, than it was back in 09 or 10, you know, it's totally different. And that's one thing that really drawed me to, to the syndication business is just the professional business. And we can grow, you know, we can grow a lot faster, but it's also, you know, I'm, I'm working with professionals and, and, you know, we're looking at professional reporting and like, it's like, we can atomize all this stuff and figure out what's works and what doesn't. And, and, you know, there's other people who are, doing the day-to-day -day stuff and I can focus over here where I need to focus and spend the time, my time more wise, wisely, you know? Uh, so anyway, right. yes. No, I think you're exactly right. And, and I think that's what Grant Cardone gets at is, you know, you can scale, you can scale faster, better, lower risk, have better returns. And, and so I agree and I disagree with them. I disagree with them because I think you have to start somewhere. And if you want 100% control, 
and if you want to do your own deals, then then do your own deals. You know, I'm just bought two more townhomes, and I own a triplex and two other townhomes, and have sold a few other properties this year. Um, I'm selling most of those assets to go into syndication, but there's a few of the smaller assets I'll probably never sell because they're so hassle-free. They're in an A-plus location. So, so I think Grant has a really good point, and I think the point is you only have so much time. If you can partner with someone, absolutely go big. And my point is, well, there's some people it may be right to start smaller and do a couple deals on your own, learn how to management. If you eventually want to be a syndicator and, and an, an asset manager, then maybe you do need to do a, a few smaller deals and, and have that brain damage and have that experience and, and know how it works. Yeah, it's not for everybody. I mean, the syndication business, but you know, I, like I was speaking at a, a local REI club the other night and somebody, you know, they, they all went around and introduced themselves and said what they have done recently. And somebody was like, I just closed on my first duplex and somebody else, I just did my first wholesale. And I was like, all right, you know, like good for you. Like this is, yeah. this is good. You know, like you're making ground, like you've done something to get to that first deal. Right. I mean, that's, it's yep. good stuff. You know, it's definitely not an issue that they didn't do a large apartment deal, you know. So, you know, I know plenty of successful people that have only done single family homes and even in a market that I would never invest in, you know, and they've, you know, they've been doing it for 30 years or longer and they're, they're very successful, but it's just not the path that, that I'm choosing. Right. No, I appreciate that. Well, well let's get back to you and, and your story. So you went from the army to mm -hmm. state police you decided you wanted to supplement your income, start investing. So you got into real estate, bought some triplexes. What, what happened next? Yeah. So I, I still had that income problem, right. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I was trying to, you know, find, we all want to like fix that as quick as possible. Right. It can't yeah. happen fast enough. And so I was introduced to a, a gentleman that had a, it was a federal and a uh, federal officer. And so, you know, in another position I didn't even know existed and he helped me through the entire hiring process. I bet I went federal. And so I left state police and got a federal position and uh, which was a big step up. You know, it's the most, like it's most police officers, not all, but most of them like dream of having the federal, you know, going federal. It's very difficult to get hired. And, and, and so, but it was good. It was a great job. That's the problem though. It was, you know, still a job. Right. And, but it, it was a really big blessing to our family. It was better pay, better hours, all those things, you know? And, and so, but it, it made us move to Virginia. And so we, we were, I grew up in Kentucky and, and then we moved to Virginia for this position. And even through that entire process, you know, it really helped uh, open my eyes to bigger things, right. You know, the outside of this, you know, where I grew up and all that and, and even other real estate. And so, you know, when we moved to Virginia, I kept buying and selling some small stuff and up to the 15 unit. And then it just kind of, it finally hit me that it was going to be very difficult to scale this. Like, I mean, this is going to take so much work, right? You know, if I'm managing, if I'm, you know, looking for another single family house or duplex, whatever it may be, like this is going to take a lot of transactions to get me where, where we want to be, you know, and then right. even, you know, am I going to be the one managing all this? That's still a lot of work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, syndication business is a lot of work, but it's different, you know, very yeah. different. And so, and so I was introduced, I think through either a podcast or book, I can't remember exactly where, but you know, this real estate syndication and I, I'd never, I'd never heard of that before. And so that, that led me on the, the trail or the path to educating myself about the syndication business. And then it just, it just seemed obvious to me that that's, that's the route I needed to take. Yep. Awesome. So you took it and now you're closing on 108, 180 unit deals. Yes. So yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I would say to get to 180 units, it was faster than most people would, would think, you know? So, you know, if, if you'd have told me that a few years ago, I'd be like, you know, like I said, it's just, I don't know when that will happen, you know, but yeah. when you understand a process of getting there and, and really you're just persistent and you're determined, got to have some determination, you know, and, and I mean, you, you can make it happen. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, what, what's happened in the last couple of years. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, and, and uh, would you say a large part of that is because of your podcast and your consistency there? So I would say it's because of uh, it just, well, I would say the Lord, number one and foremost, and, and then having a, an extremely supportive spouse. <laughs> I have to give her awesome. like 
majority of the credit by far. That's why I can, you know, do this for however many hours a day. And, and uh, anyway, so, but, and just having the drive really. And, and I go back to a story or I, I tell people when I was in boot camp, even, you know, most, most, most young guys and gals, you know, and, you know, if you're, if you're in the military, join the military boot camp, a lot of times is like the first time that you've really been challenged Sometimes, especially physically, and sometimes mentally as well, but especially physically. And, right. and you know, that's their whole goal is to teach you what you can put your body through. And, I, and, I, and there's this time when we're right at the end of boot camp, you know, they march you out, you're carrying all your stuff in a backpack, you're carrying a weapon, you got your helmet on, you know, all this gear, and they march you out 15 or 20 miles. They keep you awake for about three days thinking you're getting shot at, you know, just all kinds of running around, all kinds of madness. You know, you and your battle buddy are digging foxholes and, you know, pretending like you're trying to stay alive, right, while you're getting yelled all the time. And then, you know, but then after that third day, you got, you know, you haven't slept hardly at all. And now you got to turn around and march back, right? And and you just think this is just, I mean, is this ever going to end? You know, you've never done anything like this before. You've never pushed your body that way. And, but I remember marching back, you know, on the side of the road and I know they do this on purpose, but they have this Humvee go up the road in between, there's like a a line of you on both sides of the road and they have a Humvee go up the middle, just real slow, you know? And as he goes by in the back of that Humvee are the guys who have quit. Yeah. You know, they've said, I'm done. Like I can't, they've said, I can't do it, you know? And, you know, and, and I think it's a good tactic too. like all the drill sergeants want everybody else to see these guys quit you know and so i made up my mind right there i'm not quitting i can do this you know i'm not quitting and then you know from that to police academy obviously to a year overseas there's numerous things that have taught her yeah now are servicing that loan you know that don't know who you are don't care they just see a big uh, delta between what you owe and and what they could sell it for if they kick you out so yeah have a contingency plan have some money set aside buy a property. You talked about stress testing. That's huge. I love that. You know, that's where multifamily is so much more risk adverse. You can buy properties that still cash flow if they're 10% vacant, 15% vacant, 20% vacant, or at least they still cover their own expenses. Right. I try doing that with a single family home. It's not yeah. possible or a duplex. That's not possible. You get one vacancy and you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, so, so tell me about this. I, I had a really good question from my business partner. He, he said, Sam, do, does your wife support you investing? And, and I think it sounds, I know your wife does, but tell me a little bit more about that dynamic. And yeah, I, don't, I think not only does she support you, but she sounds pretty excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And I think that it's relevant for almost everyone that is, is listening to this. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, first of all, my wife, Shonda, she, she is fully on board and she is actually helping in not only the development of growing our business, but also we manage some of our local properties. Mm-hmm. So she's also helping with that. So she's fully immersed in this and she doesn't have the background. She doesn't have the business background. She went to school to be a, to be a PTA. And she loved it. She loved working with kids. Mm-hmm. And, but she's been a stay at home mom since we've had our kids 12 years ago. And, you know, she doesn't have that background. And I think a lot of people get really scared in investing because they're like, I don't have this background. I don't understand it. And yep. they're nervous to make that jump. So to have her just fully committed to growing this, you know, when I got that offer to sell, you know, she was on board because she saw the potential. You know, I laid it out for her. Mm-hmm. And she, I don't know, I'm trying to think how I want to word this. There's been a lot of stuff and projects that we've worked on in the past, like the fix and flips. Mm-hmm. And we didn't work very well together. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's more like the construction type of stuff. But yeah. I mean, sucks anyways. So. Yeah. And it was, and it was a little um, weird to start off and, and kind of like any type of partnership in a business, you know, you got to kind of find your place and, but we really have jived in this business together. And I get a lot of people that, you know, I have conversations with and they're like, man, I wish my wife was on board or I even so much as I wish my wife helped. 
And I got some, I got some people I know where their wives are like the opposite. Like they completely don't get it. And yep. it's almost like they're putting up roadblocks yep. and in it's hard, but you can still do it. You can still work around it, you know, and, and maybe it's just something where it just hasn't clicked in your partner's head as to what's happening mm-hmm. or they maybe, maybe they don't see what's happening 10 years from now by doing this, but that's, that's the goal. You know, this is, this is a slow game. Yeah. You can make some money real quick, but if you want to scale it on a level that I want to scale it and I know that you want to scale it on, you know, this is, this is a, a game over years, decades, right? So maybe they just don't understand what that is, but I know my wife, she's definitely on board and we're both seeing the, the fruits of all of our hard work. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really good to hear. And, and I knew that was the answer. Otherwise I wouldn't have asked it because that was awkward. <laughs> that was a layup. <laughs> have you? <laughs> have you vent about your wife on the podcast? That would have been bad. But well, no, you, didn't Shonda, answer, you didn't answer how your wife is. She's is she awesome. Not? Yeah. No, I mean, she grew up with a lot of money. So okay. I didn't. And let's see, we were in college and I was selling door to door during the summer to put both of us through college. We got a small inheritance from her grandma and her parents naturally with coming from money. They said, oh, you need to go buy a nice house with that money. And being independent and thinking for myself wasn't very popular with her family, but I, I went and bought that first flip and we moved into it and Lauren was all in and she was excited and we were, we made a ton of money. I mean, we made 70,000 on, on that first flip for us college students. That was huge. Her family definitely was not supportive, but (laughs) even, even after the 70,000 profit, well, they were all excited about that. They, well, it was pretty nasty. I mean, it was a good oh. neighborhood. It was pretty dang nasty. You know, okay. dog pee house, cat pee house, gross. But once we got it fixed up, they said, oh, you need to stay here forever. And this is a great house. And then I moved, promptly moved us to a, a C location, maybe D, pretty bad area, into a duplex that we house hacked. And I remember them coming over for my birthday party. I invited everyone over. And it was just like horror. like them realizing where their daughter and and now granddaughter were living with me and and they were nice about it you know they weren't nasty they they just didn't think that's a spot where we should have been living and yeah. it wasn't great but guess what we made 45,000 in a year on on that flip and and we lived there for $300 a month because our renters paid our mortgage yeah so Lauren's been amazing it, it she's been stressed at times but she's always seen the vision and and, you know, I, I think you probably saw my photo on Facebook. I posted from that duplex, we moved into another flip and we house hacked that and then turned it into a rental. And, and we just cashed a check for a hundred grand. You know, we sold it a couple of years later for a hundred grand and yeah, I saw that, it, uh, you know, so it's been really fun, but <laughs> funny story. We moved in this last flip and well, I call it a flip. She didn't know it was a flip. So she said, you know what? I'm done moving. We, we don't, we're not moving for five or six years at least. And I just smiled and said, Oh, okay. You know, I'd figured why fight about it. I just said, okay. And then I think without telling her, I put money down on a new build about in February said, Hey, we're moving at the end of the year. And she just rolled her eyes. Okay, whatever. (laughs) But that's the worst I get from her. She just, you know, gets frustrated. But on the rental management side, you know, she's a mom with two kids and she's out showing our rentals and helping manage those. And, and it's awesome, you know, so yeah, we get stressed out, we move a lot and she hates having to make new friends all the time, but she really wants to have a fantastic life for the family. And, and she sees the vision. And I have friends, wives who they, they're pushing them to buy million dollar homes on a $150,000, $200,000 a year income. And and they have no investments, no savings, but that's what they want. They really, really yeah. want, you know, and we could have gone out and built a million dollar house and done that with our friends, but it's not what our goals are. So I'm very lucky to have a supportive wife and someone who is a partner and, and sees the vision just like Shonda and, and you guys are. So that's awesome to hear about you guys. What, what does she think about going big, big multifamily. I mean, is she comfortable with that as well? Because Lauren kind of, she it's kind of intimidating to her. Yeah. I, I mean, it is intimidating. I mean, you're talking about buying $20 million property. And yeah. while a lot of these are even labeled as non-recourse, there still is some recourse 
you know, the bad boy clauses. If, yeah. if you aren't acting appropriately to what you should be doing, then, I mean, it can be recourse to the general partnership. So, I, I mean, it is scary, but I mean, what investment isn't scary? Right. I mean, would you put, let's say you had a million dollars. Would you go put that in the stock market? That's way oh scary. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's an investment. It's, it's, it does come with some risk. You know, right. there's, there's no investment out there without risk. So it, it is scary, yeah. but I think that, you know, I don't want to put words in Shauna's mouth, but I mean, there's really been no hesitation. I mean, she's, she was there with me through the whole process. You know, she's been, she's been seeing the process. She's been seeing the the fruits of what we've been investing in. And she's also been there dur- during the growth and learning phases as well. You know, we've both been to uh, multiple boot camps w- of Rod Cleefs and, we actually used our very first one in Chicago as our springboard to determine whether we wanted to go full multifamily. We wanted to make sure, Hey, let's find out from some other people, make sure we didn't miss out um, on some kind of secret sauce on how to make this work or. Right. But I mean, she was there, we were there making the decision together, learning together and um, networking together. So yeah, no, she is, she's on board. And I think, the biggest challenge is, you know, I said, you know, she doesn't come from a um, business background. So as you, the bigger you get, the more business like it is, Yeah. You know, the more institutionalized it is. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing is just having more confidence in the business side of it as, as it gets bigger and bigger. And I think that's with everyone, even myself, you know, you see those bigger numbers that, you know, you realize you got to take it a little more seriously. Right. Absolutely. Now that's, and I've seen her at the events, you know, and, and that's the thing I, I would say is Rod Cleef is great. I mean, amazing training, amazing group of people like you and, and it's been fun to hang out with people and learn. But when you jump into things, you educate yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't educate yourself indefinitely with which a lot of people do. They don't take action because they just want to get educated. But you take action and educate yourself. And, and I, I know that's what is one of the recipes that has helped me be successful is I'll jump into something, but it's very precise what I'm doing. I'm jumping in because I know it's going to be hard. It's risky, but I also have done the research, ed- educated myself and hung around the people that can help me make the right decisions. And, you know, our mastermind is a great example of that. There's people maybe doing it the wrong way in the mastermind, a lot of people doing it the right way, and a lot of people willing to share what it takes and different things they've learned. And and that's one thing that I love about the mastermind that you and I are in is there's a lot of great people willing to share what not to do and, and what to do. So what do you think the next step is for, for you and Shonda and, and your business? Are you guys taking down a property on your own? Where are you looking or, or what is your business plan? I really like... Um, partnering. And it just makes sense because none of us can be good at everything. I, right. I've yet to meet one person that's good at everything. Yep. So you have they to say re- they are be, be careful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But you really have to realize what your weaknesses are and figure out how to fill those. Whether that's uh, if you don't want to partner, you have to figure out how to hire that done and really, you know, use that to the, to the maximum. But I find that I'm trying to think what the saying is. If if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. Right. And, and that's really the, the motto in my head when it comes to moving forward. And that's partnering with people that not only have maybe more experience than me, but fill in my weaknesses and, so far it's worked out really well for me and that's where that's where we're moving forward as as far as partnering i'm putting to um putting together a lot of informative stuff for for my investors as well kind of what you're doing with this podcast yeah. and what i want to help them with is that even if they don't invest with me be cautious you right. know realize how to analyze deals or maybe it's even just realize what other options you have out there because I, I mean, 
I know people that are really into stocks and Mm -hmm. some people are good at it. (laughs) I've not had a legit conversation with someone that has been good at it for a long time. You know, I've, I've known people that have really had good runs mm-hmm. and I, and I, I know that when I was in stocks, I would have a good run for a couple of years mm-hmm. and within about four to six months, that run would be completely wiped away and I'd be oh. starting back, you know, from what I put into it. And right. I think that's the majority of what people encounter with that. So I'm kind of getting off topic here, but yeah, I, I mean, similar to what you're doing with this podcast recession proof is that, you know, we're at this point, this, this tipping point, And what I feel is that I want people to be prepared mm-hmm. because I know when people are prepared, they can make better decisions, not only now, but when something bad happens. Yeah, no, that's huge. So strategic partnerships are really what you're working on now. It sounds like, yeah. And we're doing the same thing. So when I started this business, you know, actually when I got out of building fourplexes last year and, and I just said, Hey, what's the best thing for my clients? You know, what's the best thing for my investors? If a recession comes, I don't want them to be buying single family duplexes, fourplexes as much as I'd rather them buy multifamily if they can. Now I, I, I buy townhomes. I'm buying two more townhomes right now with a partner, but we're very, very conservative in our purchases. So I said, Hey, let me put together a team, you know? So I invited my friend Lyndon to, to be on this team and he doesn't have a massive background in real estate. He's a business owner, kind of like you, very successful, very smart. He's a CPA as well. And I said, I want someone that is a little bit more nerdy than I'm pretty nerdy. I, I like looking at spreadsheets, <laughs> but he's really good at looking at spreadsheets and underwriting, running the numbers on deals. And so that was a strength that he really brought to our partnership that was way better. He's way better at me at, at spreadsheets. And, and when you're evaluating a 60 door facility, you've got to be able to run the numbers and make sure you don't miss something because at the end of the day, it's all about the numbers and, and mm-hmm. what you can do with those numbers. You know, if you put $5,000 a door per door into the complex, what does that equal in a rent bump? And what does that equal for your investors? You know, the other strategic partner we've made is is the money guy, the guy that has 30 years investing experience. He brings a balance sheet to the table. You met him at the mastermind group. He's a fantastic individual. And and by the way, work with people that you like and that are fun to be around because yes, I'm done with people that, that aren't team players. And he's a team player. He, he has a lot of money to spend on real estate, which is great, but he's ultra conservative. So he's seen three or four crashes in the market. He's twice my age. I hope he doesn't hear this and hear me say that. <laughs> but but a really great guy. He he's conservative because he's seen the ups and downs in the market. So we have we have this powerhouse team I feel of underwriting, investor relations, which is me, scouting the deals, which is me, and then a very experienced conservative money guy. And and now we've found in a property manager with fifty six hundred doors under management who's extremely conservative as well and aggressive with his property management, who holds his, his regionals and his property managers to a very high level of professionalism. And, and I, I think that's really important. And I love sharing information with you and with the other people in our mastermind. So you don't have to be on a team with people, but just sitting in the same room four times a year, talking on a podcast with you, I, I see huge value there. And I'm kind of curious, do you have any mistakes you'd like to share with our investors that maybe if you had the right partnership or right experience, you maybe wouldn't have made that mistake? Yeah. So you don't have to. I mean, it could be someone else. You can make it up about your friend George or something. No, I won't even make this up. You know, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. I think I think we all make mistakes and people that are that are new to investing in real estate may make the same mistake and it falls right in line with partnership, but I actually went into a partnership and trusted somebody very early when I, when I started, mm-hmm. you know, started to do buy and hold investing and I didn't do proper due diligence on this partner and it ended up really burning me on some projects. I know one of them that I lost 90 grand on, oh. I mean, you don't want to lose $90,000, but you know what? I, I just, 
realize where I was and I know that I can make it in a different project and I don't have to make it in that same project. So it's really, even though you may find the person that fills your gap, like you said, it needs to be somebody that you jive with. Yeah. Somebody that you enjoy working with because I mean, we only get so many days on earth. Yeah. So, you know, really feeling that you can trust that person and grow with them and that they have your back just as much as you have their back. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's very important. So many people starting out will trust people, but not verify it. Yep. And that's one of the biggest things that I can say, especially when you're trying to scale and partner and grow bigger. And this may not even be something that you're partnering with. Some people will spend less time really researching a potential partner than they would an employee. They'd spend way more time with an employee, (laughs) like going to a partnership and just be like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they're good. Yeah. So even though I was very cautious with this partner, it still was to the point where I should have researched more not only in um, done my own research instead of trusting his, but I should have researched him as well. So I think that that, that could be a big key for some people, um, whether you're active or passive, you know, really research who you're doing business with because um, that is important. No, that's huge. And the saying for businesses is be slow to hire and fast to fire. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes with partners. And, you know, I was approached by a, a number of groups to, to help them raise money and work partner on their deals. And a couple of groups didn't ask me about my background. They didn't ask me what I was doing for money. They didn't ask me for references, referral, I mean, anything. And then I asked them and, and they kind of just didn't get why. And, and I said, you know, if, if you don't care who you jump in the business with, that's a huge red flag for me. Yeah. And, um, I've got a group, they keep hitting me up to, to partner on deals. And I said, Hey, I'm still waiting for those references. You know, I think you're good guys, but send me a list of your investors that have worked with you and send me a list of your partners that you've worked with. And, um, am I going to Google your name and find someone you worked with that says you're a crook? You know, I, I hope not, but it's huge. And, and the other thing I realized really quickly with the last group I was with is if it's all about the money, it's going to get old fast and that's a bad partnership. And it be, and with those guys, it was all about the money, how much I was making, even though they were making so much more than me, I was adding a ton of value. I thought, and I didn't think the money should come up yet. They always wanted to know how much I was making and see if they could pay me less. And even though they were making killing. And so if you have partners that are so worried about how much they're making versus how much you're making, it needs to be fair. You know, there needs to be something in writing. But, you know, my, my business partner, Lyndon and I, and, and then Michael, we haven't even discussed what, what we're all making. We've discussed how do we do a deal and, and make a ton of money and help each other become successful and, and financially free. That's the main topic. And that's how it is with my investors, my clients, is that I'm not really worried about the fees I'm making. The money will take care of itself. But how can we add value to each other and just have a really good relationship that's mutually mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going far together, that stuff doesn't matter right now. Yep. And, and I've been having quite a few conversations lately about scarcity and abundance mindset. And I think that falls right in line with it. I think the people that are worried about all those small details and how much you're making, how much they're making, I, I think that's the scarcity mindset. Yep. So having that abundance mindset, it's like, Hey, you know, I think you're doing a great job. I feel like I'm doing a good job. It seems like you think I'm doing a good job. Let's go far together. And how do we go far together? And it's yeah. not about, you know, oh, wait, you got $10 and I only got five. It, it, I mean, that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, money is important, you know, making sure that everything is fair, but in reality, it's everything else that comes along with it. Yeah. That's huge. That's absolutely important. Well, it sounds like that was a, an expensive lesson for you. 90 grand Hertz. <laughs> well, I will say I wanted to ask you though, can Shonda laugh about it? Did she say, I told you so. She- and that was, it was a very contentious purchase. Even from the beginning, I, it was going to be one of those D class properties to, to bring around that, like kind of what you were talking about. 
Mm-hmm. I think now we can laugh about it. It was a very rough time. That was a long journey we went on. I kept every decision I made. I felt like I was making the right decision, uh-huh. but it, it just kept going and, and, you know, problem after problem after problem, even after, even though I was making the right decision, you know, financially and investment wise, it just, it just could never, you know, it's kind of like you see those funny videos where someone, the top of their body's going faster than their feet. And they, their feet can't catch up with their body. I mean, that's right. kind of what's, you know, my feet could not catch up with, with this property. So I will say the advantages to real estate, I was able to take so much of that losses against my other income. Uh-huh. And I actually calculated out, I only lost about 20 grand when it comes all right. to all the benefits of, you know, depreciation and the expense, the taxes that I wouldn't pay on my other profit. So, I mean, 20 grand isn't all that bad. It's better than 90. It's a lot better than 90. (laughs) Well, that's the way I'd swing it to your wife. You know, next next time she brings it up. Yeah. And and that was our decision. I mean, that's what it came down to is like, you know, when we realized, Hey, we just can't catch up to this and we couldn't find the right people to help us catch up to that. It was just, it was just kind of a realization of, okay, this is in reality, this is really what we would lose. Mm -hmm. It's not that much let's make up that $20,000 in the next deal. And, you know, I, I look yeah. at, I spent time on another deal where I made almost 300 grand in a year. Nice. And I mean, on a 10 plex. So, I mean, you, you just look at that. I mean, 20 grand was nothing compared to what I've made on the other properties. So. Well, and, and the money you'll make by partnering with the right people and the lessons you've learned. So I Absolutely. never want to lose money, but sometimes that's the education you pay for. Yeah. Well, Adam, we're about out of time and, and I've got to run to my next appointment. I'm sure you've got to get okay. back to working with investors and laying your patio. Yeah, right. How can our listeners reach out to you? What do you have going on that they can click on, go to email you? What's the best way to reach, reach you and find out what you're doing? Yeah. So my company is Welkin Equity. That's W-E-L-K-I-N. So WelkinEquity.com. You can hit me up there or I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, I try to spend a good amount of time on all those. I don't, I don't spend too much time on Instagram, but you know, reach out to me. Maybe you want to get on my email list. I send out emails about, you know, what I'm up to. And uh, yeah, I have a couple deals possibly in the work which is great. So I'm really looking forward to those, but you know how the hot market goes. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and, and tell everyone where you're from and, and where you're looking to do business as far as multifamily goes. Absolutely. So I am in Northeast Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana. You probably don't have many Fort Wayne, Indiana investors or investors on your podcast. Nope. I will invest in pretty much the Midwest or some very hot markets that are have been proven to be recession proof or recession resistant. I'm kind of staying away from the east and the west coast unless it's a really slamming deal. Good choice. But uh, pretty much the pretty much the U.S. Basically, you just follow jobs like I do, right? If there's job growth, yeah, absolutely. Economy, that's what you so, just just looking at the market data and see if it seeing if it makes sense and if it can follow along with your podcast and be recession proof. <laughs> <laughs>